0: We in this country have seen many new faces. People from all parts of the British Commonwealth and Empire and from the Allied Nations. These are among the last pictures to be taken in the capital of the Gold Coast. For when this day is over, Accra becomes the capital of Ghana, an independent nation within the Commonwealth. Hello everybody and welcome to Hello from Britain. The Black British Hair Story podcast, a podcast focusing on histories of Black British women in the 20th century. I hope that you're all doing really well. My name is Sheon and I am a writer. He has a master's degree with distinction in international history from the London School of Economics, where my dissertation was entitled, Hello from Britain, Women in Britain and the African Self-Determination Struggle, 1940 to 1980, where I looked at women within the black British civil rights movement and how they connected their struggles for civil rights with struggles for decolonization in Africa from 1940 to 1980. I learnt a lot whilst writing this dissertation and decided to share some of my research in a lecture I gave in early March entitled Black British Feminism from 1921 to 2021. I tweeted out that I was excited to give this lecture and all of a sudden that tweet got over 100 retweets, over 3000 likes and hundreds of replies from people asking how they could listen to the lecture. I think I got this response because unfortunately so few of us learn about the history of Black British women. A survey of 56,467 people reported on by The Guardian in 2020 suggests that in Britain we are more likely to learn about the Battle of Hastings in school than the British Empire and black British people. That is why, for example, organisations like the Black Curriculum have been set up to address a lack of black British history in UK academic curricula. And I hope that these 10-minute podcast episodes released at least once a month will provide an accessible resource for people looking to gain some more information about black British history in the 20th century and particularly the history of black british women so without further ado let's get into the topic for today's podcast women and the west african students union now many of the west africans who are in britain today came to britain fairly recently in the 80s and 90s however There has constantly been a West African presence in Britain throughout the 20th century, and a West African Students' Union was set up by a group of West Africans in 1925. The West African Students' Union was an organisation of black workers and students set up in London to provide accommodation for young black people in Britain, and which also fought for a sense of, I quote, unity, cooperation and self-help among West Africans in the UK, and Ireland, end quote. The union was set up by a Nigerian student studying law at UCL called Ladipur Shilanke and was backed by many high-profile black activists including Amy Ashwood Garvey, the first wife of Marcus Garvey, the leader of the Universal Negro Improvement Association. And at this stage, it is worth noting that although the West African Students' Union was called the West African Students' Union, it had a number of supporters and allies that did not come from West Africa, like Joma Kenyatta, who later became the first leader of independent Kenya, and Hastings Banda, who became the first leader of independent Malawi. The impetus for the West African Students' Union came from the rampant informal colour bar that was present in Britain during this time. In 1920s Britain, it was common for employers to say that they did not want to hire black people, for landlords to say that they did not want to rent black people, and for pubs to refuse black people entry. This pervasive societal exclusion of black people, known as the colour bar, existed in Britain up until the 1960s, when we finally got anti-race discrimination legislation. Just to give you an example of how widespread this was in the early 20th century, Leary Constantine, a Trinidadian-born cricketer and lawyer who became the UK's first black peer, was treated in a very hostile manner by Imperial Hotels in London in 1943 because they did not want a black family staying in their hotel. And I've linked a cartoon of this event that was published in the British Press to the notes of this podcast, should you wish to explore this event further. And not too long after this event, in 1945, delegates of the 5th Annual Pan-African Congress, hosted in Manchester, held discussions on, and I quote, the colour bar problem in Britain, end quote. A representative of the West African Students' Union said at this very discussion on the colour bar problem in Britain that if the British people think they have the right to live in Africa, then we have the right to stay here. We have the right to get together and see that something is done for us here, end quote. So there was a pervasive colour bar in Britain, causing black people in Britain to set up the West African Students' Union, which provided accommodation for black people struggling to find lodgings in Britain. As Chief Opiolu Ogumbi, ladipo Shalanke's wife, explained it was very important that an organisation like the West African Students' Union existed because, and I quote, In those days, when Africans got to London, and although they would have been promised a room, once they saw that these were Blacks, they refused them. And do you know what the Blacks did? They went back to sleep on the train station for days until they got accommodation. End quote. However, Aside from the peculiarities of British racism, black women in the West African Students' Union often had to contend with both racism and sexism. Although there were many working women who were part of the union, such as Mrs Kofowarola Pratt, who became the first black nurse in the NHS, student lodgers at union buildings were typically men. In contrast, the role of women within the union was often to cook meals and to clean rooms within the accommodation of the West African Students' Union. Moreover, within the pages of WASU, the Union's black internationalist journal, there were often articles from men who argued things like the fear of the woman is the home, end quote, and that, and I quote, women are fundamentally different from, if not inferior, to men, end quote. Despite the fact that many pre-colonial African societies, and particularly pre-colonial West African societies, did not have strictly patriarchal family structures, some men within the Union embraced British colonial ideas about female inferiority. These men rejected colonialism in the form of alien rule on the continent, but embraced certain colonial ideas about gender. Therefore, this forced women within the Union to argue against these ideas and to avoid decolonisation becoming a way of, to quote prominent decolonial thinker Frantz Fanon, replacing a certain species of men by another, end quote. These women did not want to leave racial inequality in Britain for gender inequality in independent Africa, and therefore many of these women spoke up. For one, many of these women were already politically active in Britain. As Chief Opiolu Ogimbi explained to reporters from Vanguard Nigeria in 2009, in Britain, she often voted for the Conservative Party. She is quoted as saying that, whilst she used to vote Labour before, she started voting Conservative, and I quote, because, "'Knowing that the Conservatives don't like you, blacks, I wanted to move closer to them and find out why. How you can get the rope on your neck off. Labour, most of them are working class.' The Conservative, the upper class, have a similar culture with Africans. For Labour, they talk too much. A Labour family, for instance, at dinner table, you'll find the children questioning what the father is doing or has done. But the Conservative family, the child bows to the wishes of the father. Whatever the father does, you hear the son say, Yes sir, But aside from discussions about domestic politics, many women in the Union were keen to discuss how African politics should develop when the European empires were defeated. For example, Nigerian Stella Thomas spoke at a conference alongside Nigerian colonial administrator Lord Lugard and was bold enough to criticise colonisation in Nigeria, arguing that indirect rule had made puppets of African chiefs when all Africans wanted was, quote, sound education to be able to understand and to express themselves as they would like to. Then, she said, Africans would, quote, be in a position, when they were given self government, to look after their own institutions and to judge for themselves the merits of these institutions, end quote. Similarly, Fola Akintunde Ikhodalo, who became the West African Students' Union's second female vice-president in 1953, boldly wrote within the pages of WASI that she supported African independence from European empires, but that in independent Africa, women should not have to wait, quote, hundreds of years to evolve a democratic system, end quote, that allowed for women to vote. Other influential women within the union included Kofowarola Moore, the first black African woman to graduate from Oxford, and Titilola Folarin, who at one time was the treasurer of the West African Students' Union. I think I will leave you today in this episode of the podcast with an anecdote from Titilola Folarin, which some of you may find amusing given the debates that are often had about cultural appropriation today. Writing from the pages of Wasu in 1936, Titilola said, quote, I remember one particular occasion when I and my other West African Students' Union lady colleagues put on our native costumes and went as far as Piccadilly Circus, Many of our English friends who saw us expressed their pleasure and satisfaction at the show. But what struck me most was this, that about a week after, whilst passing through Regent Street in the west end of London, we discovered in some of the shop windows a certain number of ladies' hats, almost exactly in the same style and shape of how we tied up our gele on the day we passed through that district a week before. End quote. Can you imagine? Black African women have been influencing British fashion for over 80 years.